Good morning and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven on this Monday morning, July 17th. I'm Adam Wright, so happy to be with you as always on a cloudy, overcast, and still wet from all the storms last night, Monday morning. Let's begin our day together in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I almost came into work at 3 o'clock this morning. I was up. It was storming, and I couldn't get back to sleep, and I thought, no, just try and get back to sleep. And then when the alarm clock went off at 5.30, I found myself wishing I would have just gotten up and come in and got a jump start on the day. But alas, we're here, maybe a little tired, maybe a little tired of the weather, but we're here together, and we're going to grow in holiness together this morning. So here's what's on deck for us on Roadmap to Heaven today. We're going to hear from Father Mark Goring about the shock and awe challenge. We're going to hear a homily from Father Schneier called Ask, See, Ask Seek, Knock. And then we have a continuation of a homily we heard from Father Kirby last week on Ordinary Time in Eucharistic Revival. Today we'll focus on Eucharistic Revival. And then finally, uh, Father Charles Sampson from Kenrick Lennon Seminary is going to be with us to talk about two Old Testament figures we hear a lot about, and uh, two, they're two prophets. That's all I'm going to tell you. you got to stay tuned for the rest of that ahead. Now, if you're like me, you're wondering, we've gone from weeks of dryness to now several rounds of storms in a row, many of them severe. What is in store for us on this Monday? Mike Roberts has the answer. Let's give a listen. Today is the feast of the Carmelite nuns of Compiègne. During the French Revolution, there was a period known as the Reign of Terror that literally made terror the official order of the day. The intent was to prevent open disagreement with the new French government. Though the Catholic Church had been among the most persecuted organizations during the French Revolution, that persecution was radically intensified during the Reign of Terror. On June 22, 1794, 11 discalced Carmelite nuns, three lay sisters, and two externs were arrested as traitors and accused of living in a religious order at the Carmelite Monastery in Compiègne, which was in violation of the law. They were taken to the Visitation Monastery and imprisoned there, where they continued to openly practice their religion. As a result, they were sent to Paris, where they were condemned to death by the guillotine. As they waited at the foot of the scaffold, they all sang Salve Regina, and after renewing their vows, continued to sing as they walked up the stairs to their deaths. Sister Constance, the novice, was the first to die, then lay sisters and externs, and finally the prioress, Mother Teresa of Augustine. The execution of the Carmelite nuns brought a swift end to the reign of terror, which meant another group of Benedictine nuns, also condemned to die, were spared. They credited the courage of the Carmelites for saving their lives. Holy Carmelite Sisters of Compiègne, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. 
Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Father Charles Sampson is a priest who I have known for a few years now from my ventures down to the old cathedral, but also an assistant professor at Kenrick Lennon Seminary, where he teaches uh, Old Testament and scriptures and, and many different things. Some would say he's the Indiana Jones of the Catholic oh, seminary goodness. system, but uh, we'll leave that debate for another day. But Father, it's good to have you with us this morning. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, talking about the Old Testament and the scriptures, there are two prophets. There are a lot of prophets, but there are two prophets we hear from quite a bit throughout the cycle of readings, and that's Elijah and Elisha. And I get the sense the church wants us to pay attention, otherwise she wouldn't be saying, here, listen to these readings from these two prophets. Very true. What, what do we know about these two guys? So we know that Elijah and Elisha were prophets in the northern kingdom of Israel, which going back to a little bit of history, David ruled a united monarchy around the year 1000 BC. His son Solomon inherited the kingdom held it together for a while, but then started worshiping other gods and taking many foreign women as wives. After Solomon died, his kingdom was split in half. Rehoboam, his son, ruled the kingdom of Judah in the south, and a man whose name was Jeroboam ruled the northern kingdom of Israel. Right then, from the outset of the northern kingdom of Israel's existence, polytheism was a problem. People stopped worshiping Yahweh, and they started worshiping all these other gods who were called Baal. And Baal is a funny name. It literally is the Canaanite word meaning husband or lord. And it's properly pronounced with a glottal stop in the middle, Baal. So the whole thematic of Elijah and Elisha's life was contesting the tendencies of the Hebrew people to worship other gods challenging the Hebrew people to stay faithful to the one God. Now, as we think of the world we live in, this actually is incredibly relevant for us, this message that we hear from these two prophets. We might not be uh, worshiping Baal, uh, but we've got all of these false gods that we put before us. And, and in some ways, it's the agnosticism of our day, like, well, you know, mm-hmm. I'm spiritual, but I don't know how we can know what's right or what's true, or there could be many gods, or I, I believe in the spirits and, and this and that and the other thing. Or it's, you know, well, you know, you can have your, you, you Catholics and you Christians can have your God, but my career is more important, or this is more important. Mm-hmm. And we put all of these things before the one true God. Very true. Indeed. And one of the things that Elijah will contest often is showing how the Lord Yahweh provides for the things that the people were looking for Baal to provide. Baal was a fertility god who was responsible for providing bread and oil for his people. Lo and behold, Elijah goes to the widow of Zarephah, and what does he do for her who is running out of grain and oil? He says, your jar will never run dry, just trust in the Lord, and he did. So Yahweh provided what Baal was supposed to do. And similarly, Baal was the god of thunder and rain. Elijah declared a three-year famine that would only lift once he said God's name in the Holy Land, and people turned back to him. And so, he challenges even the prophets of Baal to a contest to show who is the real god. And lo and behold, what wins the contest? Lightning and rain that comes down to consume the sacrifice. So, his whole story is a visible reminder for the people, trust in the Lord God because he will provide. No one else will. And, and I love in that story because we sometimes I'm a little snarky 
And we get to see some of that from Elijah when he says, you build your altar to Baal and put your sacrifice on it, but don't put any fire there, and I'll build mine. And he drenches his in water Mm -hmm. before the Lord consumes it in fire. And yet the prophets of Baal, they're they're over there. There's no fire, and Elijah's calling it. Well, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe you just need to to, (laughs) talk louder, louder, be louder there. Now, one of the other things I love, because so far we've been focused on Elijah, Um, Mm -hmm. when we think of Elisha, we really have... The master and the apprentice, and mm-hmm. and in one sense, Elijah's training Elisha in what to do, knowing that Elijah is not going to be around forever. And so, I, I almost wonder: can we, as we talk about um, Lexio Divino, or reading mm-hmm. the sacred scriptures and trying to put ourselves into them, could we maybe be putting ourselves into Elisha's shoes and saying, "All right, what do I need to learn now from Elijah?" Absolutely, we can, and we should. The way that Elijah claimed Elisha as his successor prophet, as an apprentice or a Padawan, if you will, was he casts his mantle over Elisha. That was the Hebrew gesture for taking possession of someone, claiming, was to throw your mantle over them. So what does the father of the prodigal son say? The first thing that is meant to bring back the son who's gone away, not the ring, not the sandals, but the cloak to put it on him. And likewise, so that imagery has been taken to mean take possession of. And we who are Catholics, who wear the rosary, for example, the Carmelites trace their spirituality very much to the asceticism of Elijah. When we put on that mantle, we are being claimed by the Lord Jesus and his mother Mary. So yes, we are intended to learn about God from the one who leads us to him, Jesus and Mary. And that brings us to what's going to be our our final point today, is that, you know, that question, what's in a name? And Mm. we were talking about this before the interview, that really when we get to the core message of Elijah, it's all in a name. In fact, his name. Mm -hmm, Indeed. So Elijah's name is composed of two parts, and scholars will call it a theophoric element, theos, God, Pharaoh, to bear. A theophoric element is a part of a name that bears God's very name itself. So Elijah's two theophoric elements are the end of his name, Ach, which is an abbreviation for Yahweh, and Eli, which is an abbreviation for God. So Elijah's name literally means, the Lord is my God. Every time somebody said Elijah's name, he or she made an act of faith. Or think of it this way, you couldn't think about Elijah or talk about him without making reference to God. And so it makes me think, is that the same way with each one of us? When other people see us or think of us or say our name, do they somehow think of God? And if not, we might need to be living in a more transparent and intentionally catechetical and evangelistic way. And for all of the expectant parents out there or those that hope to one day be called to parenthood, if you have a boy, now you've got a name with some (laughs) strong meaning behind it. Evangelization, just every time the teacher calls on your son, Elijah, you just said the Lord is my God. There (laughs) There you have it. Exactly. Well, Father, this has been a, a fascinating look at these two prophets, and it helps us to really dive into the scriptures as part of our prayer life. I don't know about you, but I am going to start reading some more about Elijah, which actually brings us maybe to a very important question before we wrap up here. Where do we find Elijah in the Bible? Because, you know, we think of Isaiah, there's the whole book of the prophet Isaiah. There is no book of the prophet Elijah, per se. It's, It's a different title. True. Where you want to go to find out about him and Elisha are the first and second book of Kings, specifically two kings. It's one of the last of the so-called historical books that traces the development and the downfall of the Davidic monarchy. So that comes right after the book of Joshua, 
and before we get into the wisdom literature of Psalms. So look in your Bible for two kings especially, and you'll find everything you want to read about him there. There you have it. Father, could you close us out with a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Jesus, we pray in gratitude for the gift of your word and the example of holy men and women therein, especially for the persons and the ministry of Elijah and Elisha, Elijah who was your servant, and Elisha who we know to be called the man of God. Help us also to be men and women of God for God. Let other people who see us be led to a deeper faith in you and above all a trust in your providence and your ways. In your name we pray, amen, and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Father Charlie Sampson, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. You're welcome. Thanks. A most commendable, indulgenced prayer to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, shower copiously thy blessings on thy holy church, on the Supreme Pontiff, and on all the clergy. Grant perseverance to the just convert sinners, enlighten infidels, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, assist the dying, liberate the souls of purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, most kind, bless us now and in death's agony. From a sudden and unprovided death, deliver us, O Lord. It's a new week here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, and here's a little behind the scenes for you. When we're not here doing the Daily Dose of Encouragement, Patty Schneier and I both share a love for food and a love for cooking. And Patty, I have to tell you, there is nothing like just the right amount of salt to waken up a dish or the right amount of yeast in a loaf of bread to make that texture just right. I'm still looking for that right amount when it comes to bread making, but it it, it is something that I love in the kitchen. Well, we're going to talk about how to be salt and leaven in the world. And this is really another way of saying, what are some little bitty ways, tiny, I mean, you just need a sprinkle of of salt, right? Or a sprinkle of sugar, a sprinkle of whatever it is of the spice, that the little ways, the tiny ways that we can be salt and leaven in the world. And, And we're called to be, you are the salt of the world. We need to do that. And we need to be a light wherever we are. So Jesus is calling all of us, every single one of us, to be salt, to be light, to be leaven in the world. So what are some ways that we can bring goodness, beauty, life, love, and hope to this world in the tiny, tiny things? Another way of saying this is we're going to really talk about what's your little way, as Therese of Lisieux would say. What's your little way? So that's what we're going to talk about this week. The first one I'm going to share with you this week. I had to think about what are the little things that I really try to do to be salt and leaven in the world. And these are so easy. They're so basic. The first one is this. Smile and greet people. It sounds silly, but there's no such thing as a stranger when you truly believe that every single person on the planet is a beloved daughter or son of God. And we are all called to be brothers and sisters. So we've got to start smiling and greet people. Now, how do you do this in your world? I do this again. I'm just sharing you my little way. I say good morning to every single person on my morning walk. I'm saying good morning to those kids at the bus stop who are looking at their phones. I'm like, good morning, good morning at anybody that I see. And I make conversations with total strangers in stores 
wherever I am, I compliment children whenever I'm out anywhere. I try to just be a bright, happy, smiling face and strike up a conversation, greeting people who might be a stranger, but just letting them know that, you know, have a great day, or I hope you have a good day at school today. Like I said, I'm saying this to total strangers on my walk or when I'm in the, in the store, on the parking lot. Try to strike up a conversation with someone. Greet them. Smile. You never know. You may be the only person that that, that, that person sees or talks to all day. So let's start being salt and loving by how we smile and greet people. It may not seem like a lot, but as Patty said at the beginning, just the right pinch of salt can make a world of difference for someone. So don't forget to smile today. Patty, thank you for this encouragement. As we wrap up today, I wanted to share something with you from over the weekend. It was a particularly exhausting weekend uh, for the rights. We had our parish picnic on Saturday and we had a lot going on with family. And of course, uh, you know, you just want to take that day off. And as we got up Sunday morning, I, I thought to myself, all right, mass has to be the number one, not only the number one priority today, but the first thing we do, because if it's not the first thing we do, it's going to be just too tempting for everything else to be more important. And so sure enough, we didn't get out the door to the mass time I had hoped, but it was the first thing we left the house for, and we went there. And I'm just so grateful, as we talk about all of this, that we have a God who gives us the Mass, because I was exhausted. And if you would have said, Adam, you have to go and you have to put your entire heart into this, you would have said, well, you obviously failed because it didn't look like you put your entire heart into this. Now I was doing everything I could to be there, to participate, to make sure the kids were participating, and we did. And I am so grateful for that structure of the Mass because some days you're just beyond what you think you're able to do, and yet our God says, here, I've got it covered. I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. You stand at these times. You say these words. You do these things. I've got the format. You know it. It's not dependent on how you're doing. It's dependent on how God is doing. And I'm just so grateful to God for that. And you know what? It, it was great. It was absolutely great because that was the encouragement that got me out the door. Like, Adam, just give 100%. Even if your 100% is only 10% of what it normally is today, give 100%. And uh, we go from there. So, and Father had a Father had a great homily talking about how we spend our time. A theme we heard a lot about on the show today. Which, by the way, talking about media fasts, if you still have a summer vacation plan, where maybe you're going to the lake house for a few days, or you're going to the beach for a few days, or whatever it may be, uh, that would be a really great time to do a media fast. But if you're not doing a media fast, well, then stay tuned with us here on Covenant Network each and every day. And at the end of your 72-hour media fast that we heard about from Father Goring, we'll be waiting for you right here on Covenant Network. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, stay dry, stay safe, have a great week, have a productive week. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. I'm Adam Wright for Covenant Network. As the Blessed Mother wants us to do each and every day, do not forget to pray your rosary today.